Hey, and welcome back to 103 of the Motorific Podcast. We thank you for your patience and waiting a long month for us. But we're back to give you some updates, tell you about some cool people we've met, some interesting events going on for women who love to ride motorcycles. Uh, what else? Maybe some industry updates. Don't really have any hot topics, but um, I'm sure we'll come up with a few things along the way. Uh, I want to start briefly with a really cool woman that I met at Revzilla. They're going to do an article about her on Common Tread. Uh, her name is Shruti, and I don't have her last name, but if you go to my Instagram feed, I shared her, reshared her post, and or if you're already on my Instagram, then you probably saw her. She's riding a real Enfield on Route 66, and she's going to do that in April, I believe. I'm trying to remember what she said when I asked her that. Um, and she's borrowing a Royal Enfield from Royal Enfield, and then she's going to ride, yeah, across Route 66. So she came in the store to get fitted in some climb gear. She's wearing the new Artemis suit, which is just a whole new suit for women. It's not an altitude replacement. It's just a whole new suit. Climb decided, hey, we got to come out with more climb gear for women who like to ride adventure bikes and get in the dirt and, um, you know, do a dual sport and adventure riding and touring. So they came out with this all new suit called the Artemis, the jacket and pant combo. The fit is definitely a little bit different from the latitude. It looks different. This particular suit, if you go to Climb's website or you go to Revzilla's website, it's a little bit brighter and it has a different aesthetic to it. Like there's no black option. There's a high vis option and then there's a really bright option. So they did some interesting things with it. And uh, I actually really like what they did with the fitment. I think they made it a little bit more proportional, just a little bit um, less um, flared out at the hips and a little bit more relaxed at the waist. I feel like the altitude is, is too much of a strict hard hourglass and uh, really hard to wear if you don't have a flared hip. Like I have absolutely nothing down there. And so um, it just, I think they did a great job to update and make a whole new suit for ladies and still give you the features and the protection and a, just a really nice nice uh, suit to go riding in. So when you have a chance, go check my Instagram feed and you'll find Shruti's photo there. Her name on Instagram is, I believe, girl on Himalayan. I believe girl yeah. dot. On yeah. Cause that's the brand of, uh, that's the brand of motor, not the brand of motorcycle, the name of the motorcycle that she rides and, uh, the Royal the Enfield Himalayan. Himalayan. Apparently she has two. So she's got two real Enfields back home. She says that she rides, and that's uh, that's her bike of choice. And that she's the first Indian female to mm -hmm. ride Route 66. I thought she said the first Indian too. Maybe just the first Indian female, but could be the Maybe. first Indian as well. So yeah, it's uncharted territory be. for our friends across the pond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Do you yeah, know, this should be interesting. Do you know what she's doing between now and her start? Since it sounds like she's going to be no. here for a little while. Interesting. I don't. Yeah, we didn't have a lot, lot, lot of time to talk, but um, 
I can find out. <laughs> I, well, I told her if, if you're coming anywhere back near Philadelphia at all, just text me or call me um, or message me. I'm, I'm around and we could get together. Or if you're riding, then let me know. I can meet you. So I'm sure I'll hear from her. And of course, Route 66 trolls through uh, the West. So yeah. depending on when she's supposed to arrive. Yeah. Yeah, she might. I'm sure she'll end up in your neck of the woods at some point. Of course, if she's set to arrive during Babes in the Dirt, that would be a nice little mm-hmm. uh, segue. <laughs> Just cruise off Route 66 and up towards I know, Gorman. Right? Yeah, right. Because the Himalayan is an off-road, their off-road bike. Yeah, yeah. Although if anyone's been to India, you know that pretty much any bike is fair game for off-road. Doesn't matter who makes it or what the model was designed for if it was a scooter. (laughs) True, true. I feel like the rolling field's like the default. Like, Mm -hmm. that's your go-to. Exactly. At least for off-roading. Yeah, I met another customer. No, she's a friend. And she and her father are going to go and ride rural infields together in like June and do a tour of the Himalayas as well. Hmm. She came in to shop and buy a suit for that um, particular trip she's doing. So it's very popular, I guess. Yeah. So awesome. My, that was a cool customer I met this week. And. Oh, yeah. So um, another kind of women-specific motorcycle thing going on is the Women's Motorcycle Summit. That's in June in Colorado. It's the weekend of, excuse me, the 16th through the 21st, I think. So it starts on Saturday, and then it goes all the way through the following week. I'll be speaking, I believe, on Sunday. And I'll probably come right back Monday. I'm not going to be hanging out all week or anything like that. uh, Just because I need my time off for the Women's Sport Bike Rally the following month. So I believe there's going to be like a kind of a seminar and workshop day. And then like a vendor fair. So I'll be doing workshops or seminars on riding and gear. I'm not, I haven't nailed down my topics yet. But uh, look for an announcement from me on my blog on what I'll be, um, what I'll be talking about and what I'll be speaking about. But yeah, it's the 10th to the 16th. So check that out. We'll post a link to that. And it looks like it's just any woman who rides motorcycle, not any particular kind of bike or anything like that. It's just a, you know, just a general... Uh, women's motorcycle conference who puts that on joan krenning oh okay i haven't quite nailed down what uh exactly what content i'm going to be delivering but i'm going to talk to her about that today it's probably related to gear hint i know but um you know it's been 12 years 10 11 years of doing that and these days i'm actually reaching out a lot to new women writers and I've been talking a lot to different women all over the country and even in in England I Skype with a woman who lives in Poland um sorry not England in Europe and she lives in I think she lives in Poland or Czechoslovakia I can't remember she's 
going to take her writing course and license test in Poland. And she was looking for advice on which bike she should use for their testing. And they have totally different uh, testing standards and licensing, tier licensing yeah. and everything. The Euro standard. Uh, well, every country has a totally different thing. And like, in, I guess where she is, you can't just get your permit, buy a motorcycle, and then just practice yourself. You have to pay them to train you on the fleet of bikes that they offer. And then, and you have to pick one and you can only use that one the whole time. And then they test you at the end on that bike. You have to pay for hours as well, like blocks, like 10 hours, and then maybe another 10 or 20 if you need it. But you can't, it's illegal for you to ride by yourself. Uh, There's no such thing as a permit. So she was asking me about, you know, which bike she should do and uh, how hard is it going to be. And, you know, she's looking at really big bikes like an old Seika 2 650 and an FC09 and some other larger displacement bikes. As a first ride? Yeah, to learn and then test. And I said, well, I, okay, you know, you, you could theoretically, sure, you could use any of those and test on any of those and learn on any of them if you like. But do you have to, you know, do you have other choices? And uh, she said, yeah, they have smaller displacement choices, but she just wanted to skip ahead and get that tier done. That is definitely not like the rest of Europe. You're committed to small in the beginning in like the UK, for uh, example. Yeah, right. I guess you can pick. You can pick what level. So if you go with a larger displacement, then you get that level of licensing. Wow. And she was just figuring it would be easier and faster. And I said, well... (laughs) You don't really want to do that. (laughs) you, you, You could, but I mean, do you really want to? You know, it's, do you want to make this easy on yourself or do you want to make this really annoying and frustrating and hard and confusing and angry? Because... (laughs) That's probably how you're going to feel if you try to force yourself through this testing on a Seika 2. That's a top-heavy 650 carbureted bike from what? I don't know. Maybe they're making newer ones in Europe, but the one we had was like a 99 or whatever. That's not – I would not recommend that to learn on. And then, you know, and she's small like me too. So then now she's adding another layer of difficulty and – you know, we talked at length about this kind of the pros and cons and what the outcomes could be. And it started out as a gear discussion. Well, what boots should I get to do this? And then I asked and then I started digging a little more. I'm like, why do you need the like, what's what, what are you doing? And then we. Yeah. So I've been having a lot of great conversations with women like her about their writing career and getting started and, you know, what maybe what might be going on in their career. Like uh, I met another woman at the sport bike rally last year and uh, she bought a 390 Duke and she's also a very small woman, by the way, 390 Duke, not the best option unless you have the suspension professionally adjusted to lower yourself closer to the ground. But that's one of the tallest bikes you can start on. I would not recommend that given how heavy it is. So she started on that, but she's barely ridden it 
like, say an hour's less than 20 hours of riding seat time in it. So she has absolutely no confidence on it because it's so tall and she has just not spent any time enough time with it on a daily basis. This is know, not to the really feel good. Not the RC 390. This is the upright. No, this is the, Duke. the naked. Yeah. Yeah. The Duke. It's, it's tall. not, it's not very heavy though. No, but it's to us. It's not, but you got to remember to someone who's never ridden it. It is. I don't know if you remember, well, but I remember it was, and you're taller. And for you, that extra reach means you get a lower center of gravity. But yeah. for me and her, it's much higher. But it's also the fact that she's never ridden before. And I and I think that sometimes we overestimate what we can think we can do. And um, I think also just her self-confidence isn't there. And so we talked about ways to uh, work with what she has because she obviously can't, well, she doesn't want to start over. And she wants to ride this particular bike. So sure. I... You know, we, we talked briefly about that because really, if you make a mistake on the choice of bike that you purchase, you have to be willing and ready to fix that if you really want to address what's wrong. Sure. And right. And band-aiding it may work for a while, but it may not be your real solution. And I said, all right, if you want to work with this bike, then you got to do these things. You got to try this and this. And, and if those don't work, then you've got to be willing and you've got to be prepared to make a different choice, regardless sure. of what your husband you says. You just mean the, the balance of where the, uh, where the weight is, the center of gravity on that bike. Uh, well, that too. But, I mean, just because she's so new and because she's smaller, it all feels awkward. None of it feels comfortable. None of it feels familiar. So and she what doesn't would, have the experience. What would be uh, obviously something shorter that's not a KTM because KTMs are typically taller seat height mm -hmm. bikes. Uh, what would not, be a better option? If if it were the same seat height, then I would opt for a dirt bike because they're much much lighter, and it's so much easier when you're balancing or even shoot a scooter. My scooter had a thirty-one inch seat height, but it only weighed two hundred pounds. Mm -hmm. You know, and I know that Duke is only 300, but in the frame of a brand new person who's this small, it feels so much more than that. Um, what I would was recommending is like a CBR 300 or a Ninja because the ergonomics change, even though the seat height isn't like 25 inches, just the fact that the ergos are now changing and, you know, your knees get closer together all of that kind of changes your immediate self-confidence and perception and that is I think is a huge huge speed bump for a lot of lot of riders just that initial feel I think also stamps a really really hard impression on you like oh I can't do this or, wow, this is easy. I can totally do this. Yeah, and that, well, I think, also interferes. I think, and and the ability to learn turns and whatnot, if you're not comfortable yeah. on the bike, you're yeah. not just getting the hang of riding it, but it's really learning all those really basic principles. If you're scared, yeah. of, if you're scared or uncomfortable on what you're riding, that's going to affect your learning curve significantly. Or if you just, if the bike isn't, 
encouraging you, you know, if it doesn't inspire confidence in you at all. And, you know, that I think makes it not a great bike. God, that bike has a 32 and a half inch seat height. That's uncompressed, of course, you know, but she, I know she modified the rear suspension to probably get some give back there, but that's still really hard. So at a tall bike, I always recommend light, light, light dirt bike, DR200 Suzuki, because that weighs nothing. It's like literally like a heavy bicycle, super heavy bicycle, because you can pick it up. It doesn't, nothing really breaks because it's, a, you know, a street legal dirt bike, that that kind of thing. But basically what I told her was if, if you want to ride this bike, then you have to, It's a this is a must, you have to learn how to brake as perfectly as you possibly can. You have to practice that constantly and you and you got to nail it and you got to be the best breaker in the world because the better you break the more you will manage the weight of that and you're going to feel it's going to feel more stable but you're also going to have to only rely on your left foot and just forget about your right foot completely like you don't have one except for the rear brake you know so she's one foot in it for sure hell yeah because she's only she's my height She's tiny. And I think she also feels a lot of pressure from her partner. Partners, mm. please don't pressure your spouses to hurry up and learn. Please don't spe- pressure them to buy bikes that they're not ready for. Please don't pressure them when you're eight feet tall, but we're five foot tall. <laughs> because we have very different issues. And there's no way that he would know the struggle of what she and I need to go through as smaller people. And... and it just, just doesn't occur to you because you don't have these issues, but we have these issues. And and we need to hear it from people who also have those issues. So that's a whole nother thing she's dealing with. Hmm. And, and partners, uh, uh, pro tip number one, <laughs> when, you're, when your significant other sits on the motorcycle, if both of their feet can plant on the ground on, on an unladen bike, that is a good start. And yeah, and if the suspension doesn't adjust fully, then you're prepared to spend more money. But why spend more money if you can just get the right one the first time? And and for lowering, of course, I'm only going to recommend suspension lowering, which accomplishes what you want, right? If you think about it, if your goal is, I want to be closer to the ground, there's not just one way to do that, you know. There's like five different ways to do that. And physically dropping your suspension to the ground where you could bottom out, where you minimize your lean angle, that and, and change, completely change the geometry of of your motorcycle and, and the feel and everything. There's other ways. You just gotta seek out a professional who knows what they're doing. Like my friend Ken Hall, he has a suspension shop in Michigan. And he does uh, O-Leans. He does everything. He does everything custom. He's wonderful. Yeah, but, that that's where you know, Joanne and I slightly disagree because that would be the last ditch effort it, in modifying well, a bike, in my opinion. It, no, I certainly wouldn't recommend it as your first choice. Gotcha. But I know there are a lot of stubborn people out there and they <laughs> want that bike and they want to ride that one. Well, then fine. Then you're going to have to spend a lot of time and money to make it work. Sure. Isn't what's right. So I think have, throwing that option out there, it's it's important that 
think people know that, but no, that would not be my first choice. My first option, you know, my first recommendation is always make the right bike. Try to make the right bike choice. At least try. You know, I know sometimes we don't get it right sometimes, but yeah, at least have to try or be willing to accept the defeat or accept the failure and be like, well, can't do this this way. I'm going to have to do it a different way. Um, so yeah, I've been talking to a lot of women in the last six months about just riding. I did a little round table, which I want to upload on my website. I'll do that this week. So I got about five of them together on a Google and we did a little hangout together and we chatted about just different motorcycle issues, uh, from new riding issues just to general motorcycle things so they at least got to talk to each other and relate to one another because they're all new so I'll probably schedule another one of those in like a month or something like that so yeah but talking to all the all the new girls trying to get as many new people riding as physically possible as much as possible you've definitely done uh, more to that in 2018 than i have so <laughs> i've got a i've got a couple months left to try to put a little more effort into that uh getting more people time. to ride yeah got eight months yeah. mm-hmm. well they're already riding i'm just trying to get them to ride more and better. ride no. better. better and yeah and gear up and gear up better or, you know, whatever, just to improve their current kind of writing career. But yeah, I feel like at this point, I want to just share everything in my brain to everybody, whether it's gear, whether it's writing, whether it's track days. Oh yeah, that's coming up too next month in like three weeks already. I'm going to fly out to California the weekend of, um, week before MotoGP, in Austin, going to go out to Reg Pridmore and do that. Ladies, there's still time to sign up for that if you're in California. Uh, April 11th, it's on a Wednesday. The price is probably half what they would normally charge for a track day. It's not a traditional track day, by the way. This is a, uh, think of it as really advanced street riding on the tr- on a tiny little racetrack also. Um, but it's really motorcycle skills training. And it's through Reg Pridmore's class, uh, motorcycle school it's classrides.com and i'm sure she she should have a couple spots left but if you have questions visit their website call them send an email i mean email me if you have questions but i'll be doing that next month and then i don't know june i guess so i'll be in and out and around the state do you have any writing plans this year um you know I'm starting to fulfill my crazy thoughts of what I might do for my birthday in September. So I'm still, still trying to sort through that. Like a so place, many countries, an exotic place, yeah, yeah. something like right. that. So many countries. Well, where so haven't you written that you want to go? Middle East. Middle East, yeah, like Pakistan, Iran, Iran. Uh-huh. I think I'd probably skip Iran like. and Iraq. Like but, Qatar. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know about Qatar either. Jeez, so mm. many options. Oman has got some spectacular mm. scenery. 
And I interesting has always been on my bucket list, maybe influenced just a little bit by Indiana Jones to see uh, now, now, of course, that we're talking about it and I wasn't planning on it. Um, damn it. It was in the third Indiana Jones movie, and it's the um, the structure that is carved into yes. the rock face. And I'm turkey. For, no, it's not there. Yes, I know what you're talking about. I know yeah. What you're talking about. And now everyone's just like, oh, oh, I got it. <laughs> um, but yeah, something like that. Um, as far as some um, in- interesting indi- industry news. Um, mm-hmm. It seems that there's a lot of, of activity in the electric spectrum. Mm-hmm. So Harley-Davidson made some investments into Alta Motors. And uh, Alta, if you know, I think the last time we chatted, uh, Alta had dropped their price point on their three models of motorcycle. They do like a, a completely dirt, an all dirt, a dual sport, and uh, something that's more supermoto. Mm-hmm. And uh, Harley has invested to do a partnership with uh, Alta for an electric, which is kind of interesting because didn't well Harley has their own electric bike supposedly that they're mm-hmm. uh, already in production for the Livewire. So whether or not they needed some input from an electric manufacturer to maybe retool a smaller concept should be interesting. Hmm. Um. Is it Kagiva or Kajiva? The, yeah. the uh, that brand is going to be resurrected. The one with the little elephant wow. and the number one in the back will be resurrected as an electric brand. Huh. So that uh, will be interesting. And let's see. You know that in China, right? They have electric mandates in some cities because of pollution. Sure. Right, and so that's California a huge market. California has also delivered somewhat of an electric mandate for 20, mm. uh, 2020, I believe. Yeah. So that that strikes fear in the hearts of many, at least as far as whether or not motorcycles will be um, allowed to to be uh, um, gas dependent in twenty twenty. If the goal is to I don't know reduce by a certain percentage the number of non electric car sales, so. That's that's going to be an interesting thing moving forward and enforcing. But um, California aside, uh, another brand as well is TVS. And TVS is the Indian brand uh, that had previously partnered with uh, BMW's uh, small displacement bikes. Um, and they have something called the Apache RR310. And uh, TVS... TVS Motors, uh, this is, I think, groundbreaking as far as what our U.S. market currently has. And while it's not some sort of spectacular-looking bike, it uh, it's hybrid. It's gas electric. I don't know if there's another motorcycle. I mean, there might be, you know, uh, but I don't know if I've heard of another motorcycle out there that's a, a hybrid gas electric. Hmm. I haven't. Yeah, so it's it's only a 220cc single, but um, it has a 1,200-watt electric drive drawing from hmm. a 48-volt battery. So while it's not a real looker, uh, technologically hmm. speaking, it definitely does break some ground. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if that goes into production. 
But, I feel uh, like that's always the concern with electric is they don't look the way that people want them to look. Like more, I guess, traditional with, I don't know, what's already out there. Like aesthetics is so important, I feel like, to motorcycle owners. Like how it looks is such a big thing. Well, we won't know what whatever really happened to, um, what is it, uh, Bramo. They they were purchased by Polaris, and we haven't really, mm-hmm. other than the partnership with Victory, mm-hmm. um, we haven't really seen anything come from Bramo. But I thought that bike, I mean, as far as sport bikes are concerned, I think the no, electric it, sport bikes look really close to, like, uh, aesthetically, uh, not weight-wise, aesthetically speaking, well, electric sport a, bikes, a lightning. Little. Lightning motorcycle? Yeah. That looked like a sport yeah, bike. Yeah, I mean, certainly the fairing, the more fairing option, like full-fared ones are yeah similar but i think still people are uh resistant to giving up what their bike looks like sure well know, zero zero has an compromise. unfortunate aesthetic all its own it doesn't seem to deviate much well, from it they i mean they at least resemble some supermoto style bikes yeah. yeah i mean they at least have a strong resemblance and i would say uh, yeah, I, the strongest resemblance. I think the ones that are really hard to compete with are other niche brands like Ducatis and Triumphs. Like I wouldn't, I I really like my bike, and it would take a. It's going to take a lot for me to switch to an electric. Um, it's just yeah, I, range for right one. now. Like, I mean, the range is the huge, the biggest thing for me, but also mm-hmm. the weight. And the styling, for sure, I, I'm i just not ready to transition yet. I don't think the market is ready. I just found, though, an article about, about China. They unveiled emission rules uh, to start in 2019. Automakers Whoa. must obtain a new energy vehicle score, yeah, which is linked to the production of various types of zero and low emission vehicles of at least 10% in 2019, rising to 12% in 2020. This applies to car makers that manufacture or import more than 30,000 traditional vehicles annually, and those who fail to comply must buy credits or face fines. So there's being really aggressive about it, but they, they have to. I mean, I'm sure everyone's seen the news stories about how bad the pollution's there. You can't walk around outside in some cities. It's so bad. Like they, they should be aggressive about it. They gotta make the air clean for people to live and breathe. Like so it's happening. I mean, it's supposedly China's the biggest car market. So Wow. I can only imagine yeah. what their traffic looks like. And here these it's articles awful. here these articles come out and say, Oh, LA has the worst traffic. I'm like, no. who did the research survey? And they uh, it was just recently in the last like couple of months. And I was like, I, I understand we have bad traffic here. I live it every day. But I've also been to other states where I've thought, holy crap, this is worse. And to think that this was an international study performed by, I don't know, someone. Whenever I found out who did the survey, I was like, yeah, I've never heard of them. So automatically it kind of gets um, uh, two cents of, uh, um, I can't even... Man, I need more coffee. Uh, <laughs> it automatically gets a little bit of discredit in in my world, oh, but great, um, uh, but China, like seriously, if they're having that much pollution issues, uh, provided they use 
oxygenated fuel. I'm not sure what their um, what their criteria is on fuel, but uh, they must have know. some serious traffic. I mean, I know in like 50 years we're going to have totally different cars and motorcycles just because technology is advancing like crazy. And I'm sure back in the 60s and 70s, people back then weren't weren't at all thinking about what the we iPhone would have now. <laughs> yeah, that I would say. We actually, Evan and I were just talking about that yesterday. I was on my iPad <laughs> and I'm watching Hulu. I'm watching a TV show while he's watching a movie on the big TV because I didn't want to watch that. So I'm on my iPad and I'm watching on my Bluetooth headphones, wireless. And I'm just sat there thinking, I said, honey, do you ever think we'd have these things back in college? <laughs> that we would, Well, first, I would be in Philadelphia. But second, that we would have that TV and this, I'd have this iPad and I could watch everything I wanted in my hands. I never, ever would have thought about it. It didn't even occur to me. So I yeah. can totally see our motorcycles going that same way, too. And I hope whatever happens that I find a motorcycle that I fall in love with as much as the one I have now that that for me is the biggest concern you have some serious goals being in your 90s and still riding <laughs> um, what well, listen Gloria is what 99 hell yeah no she's not that old uh she wants to ride across the country I thought she, she turns 100 she, she wants to keep riding through 99 yeah. she <laughs> she's was not currently 99 um yeah, who knew back in the 70s that, uh, that we would have s- socially crippling uh, technology? <laughs> okay, fine. 30 years. That's I better. I be writing something. That's more realistic. Well, I'm thinking by then I won't have to really do anything anymore. I'm sure I'll have an automatic motorcycle because I'll be so, uh, you know, arthritic and... <laughs> And uncomfortable, or what you know, bury me with know. bury me with a dirt bike because in fifty years I'll be <laughs> uh, I'll be significantly underground. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. No, not I mean, not the way technology is going. I'm sure our lifespans are going to be extending even more in right. thirty, forty years. We're going to be living even longer. Yeah, if you watch the series on Netflix called Altered Carbon, <laughs> that that's a, a well, realistic, uh, realistic that's thought. Two hundred years ago, but I'm I'm thinking more Black Mirror. More than oh, okay. Yeah, that was a great show. Yeah, Alter Carbon was amazing. Yeah, I'm um, still kind of making my way through it. That's so good. Um, <laughs> if you, super if you watch super Carbon. sci-fi tech spent a lot of money on that series. Like Netflix we're not going to see it for lot. like five more years. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure because it's going to take them yeah. that much money to like fundraise and crowdsource another yeah. uh, bazillion dollars to come. Alter Carbon something. is basically in a in a minute, it's basically you can die. They take a little chip, little jewel out of your body, and then they can stick it in a new body, and then you can be alive in a totally new body as long as you they don't destroy the little jewel that's implanted in your body. And I guess everybody gets one when they're a year old. So it, basically in the future, you could die, and if you have all the money, you can wake up again in a really cool body. Mm-hmm. Or wake up in a not-so-great body. <laughs> yeah. So, again, money rules in the future. The more money you got, the more stuff you get. Yeah, nothing's changed in that regard. No. <laughs> um, getting, getting away from the sci-fi topic. <gasps> Sorry. Apparently, to compete with the um, increasing engine size of the Ducati uh, off-road-ish series of motorcycles, Triumph has now be- beefed up their uh, Scrambler to a 1200 uh, this uh, week, 
um, in uh, in Portugal, they're debuting the twelve hundred uh, Ducati Scrambler. Um, oh, so that should be that should be interesting. So now Ducati has three different flavors: a four hundred and eight hundred ish, and now a twelve hundred. Um, and then, of course, this Triumph Scrambler that was uh, spotted in the wild, if you will, mm. looks uh, a little bit more like the Desert Sled, oh, which is Ducati's off-road-ish motorcycle. Um, so a big the, Desert Sled. There is a lot of ground clearance on the Desert Sled. There's currently one in my driveway. I did not ride it, but uh, I did mm-hmm. sit on it. And, um, yeah, little uh, little troubling. My feet barely touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be like a dirt-ish, right? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, on a... On and I'm a, sure a stiff suspension. Pretty much. So yeah. sitting on it, my feet don't exactly touch, and it is pretty heavy bike, so mm-hmm. that'd be interesting. Interesting to ride, but uh, I think I'd limit it to fire roads. Yeah. My skill set managing something really heavy in the dirt's not really there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine's non-existent. Um, I'd say the heaviest I've ridden in the dirt is the speed triple and that was but it wasn't like sand or Mm -hmm. like the woods it was just gravel a lot of gravel and some dirt just to get back on the pavement and through some back road riding and just went straight so it's easy if you go straight yeah heaviest I've ridden is the Bonneville but uh, Bonneville's uh, Ergo's for the dirt are way better than the sport bike that you're talking about. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, much lower. Absolutely. Uh, oh, what else? Uh, MotoGP fans. I don't know if you watched MotoGP yesterday. Um, interesting uh, pole position and in very interesting placements at Qatar. If you haven't watched MotoGP, go online, Google some of the YouTube videos. For MoGP, look at the, some of the slow mo videos. You're just watching. Like, are they taking a nap on the apex? Or are they just are they just going so fast? Um, just you know, it's just a fun way to stay current, I guess, with the motorcycle world. But yesterday was Qatar. All the usual players are back in. You know, the top 10, I won't spoil it for you, but, you know, Dovey's back, uh, Danny's back, Mark's back, Johan's back. I realized yesterday that Zarco, since he's French, his name can't be Johan because he's not Swiss or, you know, Nordic. He's French. So then, right, in French, they would pronounce it Johan, which is how the announcer was announcing it. And I heard that and I was like, they're talking about Zarco. So I am officially in MotoGP. Sounded like he said Joanne. And then there's a Spanish rider whose name is spelled Joan, but he's Spanish. So they, he's probably Juan or something. Something they're out, thereabouts. Yeah. <laughs> J-O-A-N. So I believe in Spain that would be Juan. Just thought it was really funny. So there's some, you know, interesting players in GP going on right now it was a good race and uh for those following MotoGP, both mark marquez and valentino rossi have committed uh two years each to their respective uh 
their respective brands, Honda Repsol for Marquez and Yamaha for Rossi. Although Yamaha recently had a, a bit of a shakeup because uh, Tech 3 will be leaving them in 2019. So mm. it will no longer be a monster Yamaha Tech 3. Tech yeah. 3 has found a new pocketbook. So I, I suppose you're wondering why it's taken, well, Joanne isn't, but uh, wondering why it's taken us a month. Basically, I've been traveling on the weekends to uh, a lot of the Supercross series as it makes its way across the U.S. So consequently, that means flying out Friday, flying back in sometimes Monday, if not Sunday night. So then early Monday morning when you're arriving home at 1 a.m., Monday and you try to record on Monday mornings, well, it just doesn't quite work out. <laughs> so apologies. Uh, I've now spent some weekends outside of California. So unfortunately, that means delayed podcast. And eh, we got 30 years left. There'll be more. <laughs> right. Well, I think and that ab- we'll... about wraps it up, right? I don't have anything else on my list. Um, but if there's stuff that you want to talk about, you could email us and say, Hey, please let's, can you make this a a thing? You know, can you make this a topic and we'll, we can always add it and make it, you know, topic for the next episode. So that's always, always appreciated. You can always email to motorific at, at, sorry, motorific at gmail.com or just post on the Facebook page. Uh, You can message there too, if you want to. I may not see it until a little bit later, but you can always message there as well. Or you can hit us up on our different social feeds. You can do any of my Gear Chick feeds on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. You can also find Christy as ADV Goddess on Twitter. You can do Instagram as Motorfic Media. There's a lot of different ways. Just, you know, message, email, <laughs> whatever you feel like doing. Smoke signals, road flares. Yeah, and we'll, we'll do our best. Um, in the meantime, you know, jump online onto the Facebook page, jump onto the blog, and let's hope spring comes tomorrow. Well, <laughs> for up me. I'm hoping spring comes tomorrow. We can do some riding. But we'll see you soon. Bye.